um, but hey, it's really, you know, it's good. It's good to be equipped. Uh, it's good to be ready for whatever it is the Lord calls you to. And, you know, if you're a parent, uh, you're, you know, no pressure here, but biblically you're the primary primary pastor of your children. Um, the church and the and parents, we walk together. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just good to be prepared. Um, so we're going to look at some of the basics of, of how to teach the Bible tonight. And the format will be, uh, I, I'm going to give some a kind of an overview for about 20, 25 minutes. And then we're going to break up into three different groups. We have Elizabeth Wilson, and she's going to lead a segment on how to teach the Bible to children. Elizabeth's the, the children's minister at the church, and she's uh, very schooled on, on you know, understanding where kids are developmentally and, uh, you know, how you, how you teach to that. It's, 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 you know, it, it takes some, some technique, but it also it's doable, right? Especially after 30 minutes with Elizabeth. I mean, you'll be writing books on this stuff. Um, then we're going to have, Jane, what is your segment going to be? Great, teaching the Bible to adults. Okay, and that's going to be in this room, and then teaching the Bible to adolescents. That's going to be Sarah, and Sarah primarily. We'll be up in the the war the war room upstairs, the bunker, if you will. Um, so anyhow, so to get started, you have a little uh, little worksheet here, guidelines for small group Bible study. This is just something we we give to people when we're training. But uh, I'm going to just kind of start broad brush and conceptual. So first. Um, We'll go through kind of four little principles here. The first is, let the Bible do the work. Let the Bible do the work. Uh, a lot of people are intimidated about teaching the Bible, study the Bible. They feel like they don't have skills or not a natural teacher. And certainly, you know, the Bible does say that certain people are more gifted than others. Um, and at the same time, if you are a person who is new to it, who doesn't have a whole lot of experience, what I say is hide behind the Bible. Just hide behind God's word. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to be Mark Genelette. Um, you, you know, the, the Bible has power in and of itself. And just by explicating what the text says, there is power and value and edification in doing just that. Um, and so I say, like, when I, um, uh, yeah, you know, if you're not real confident, just go through what the Bible says. And that, that's, that's good there. We see here Isaiah. Well, way to finish that off camera. I think it's Isaiah 52, 40? Yeah, not sure. Uh, but it says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So there is a promise that when the word goes out, that it does not go out in vain. That the purposes that God has for it will be accomplished. And we all know, we've all heard a sermon, and maybe you're riding home with a friend or people in your family, and you know, you say, I really got this from the sermon. And another person says, that, I got this. And it's because the Holy Spirit has different purposes in the way that it communicates to different people. And so, and so because, because we say, let the Bible do the work, then what we do is we teach inductively. What we mean when we teach inductively, that means that we have the text and we kind of we work through the text in a you know, progressive linear fashion, verse by verse. Um, we let the, the ideas um, and the things that we teach be drawn from what's in the text. Uh, if you teach deductively, 
that's where a teacher or a pastor starts with his or her ideas and then picks different parts of the Bible to justify their ideas. Okay? There's no promise in the Bible that our ideas have any power. Um, that's not to say that a, you know, a topical, doing something topical is, is not valuable, um, but when we teach inductively, letting the scripture, the text, drive what we're teaching, it protects us. It protects us from saying things that are not accurate, um, that are not biblical, and, um, and yeah, it ensures that God's word is going out and there's power in that. So point number one, let the Bible do the work. All right, point number two is trust the Holy Spirit. Uh, you see that one of the big themes, particularly in the book of Acts, um, but in throughout the New Testament, is the correlation, the, the relationship between, or I say the collaboration between word and spirit. Word and spirit. You see those two words connected repeatedly in the book of Acts as you see people coming to know Christ, churches being formed, um, the, the kingdom of God spreading. You see word and spirit together. So we see here, this is a, a, a scripture from Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All right, and so... That being said, um, that it is practical. You can see very in very uh, concise terms there. Point number one: pray. You know, I and maybe it's maybe it's psychological. I don't know. But I will say when I either attend or lead a Bible study, and you know, you forget to pray beforehand. To me, there is a there is it's supernatural and it's you know it's abstract, but there's a noticeable difference. Um, we want the, we, you know, it's not just the word itself that does the work. It's the word with the Holy Spirit of God. So it's God and the word working together. I know this is kind of, uh, this is kind of abstract and, um, and ethereal in some ways. But, but, but you see, you see that throughout scripture, word and spirit together. And so that's why there is value in praying, praying, you know, on, when you're on your way to teach a Bible study or, but, you know, before you teach, and as a group, always as a group, praying before you teach, asking the Holy Spirit to be there, asking the Holy Spirit to be at work, and, um, and yeah, and asking the, God to accomplish his purposes through the Spirit. And so that's the second point, Word and Spirit together, trust the Holy Spirit. Um, if you're teaching the Word and you're trusting the Spirit, God's going to do his thing no matter how sorry a teacher you are. <laughs> um, all right, secondly, or thirdly, is engage people. Uh, anybody here like a, a teach been a, been a teacher in a classroom by trade? I know we've got one here. Yes, there we go. School teachers. All right. If you, um, I, I I learned I learned a fair number of things when I did a master's in education. But like the thing that was um, that was emphasized the most uh, was engaging people. Susan uh, here from Holy Cross, 35 years as a teacher? Yeah, in a curriculum, uh, you, curriculum supervisor for the whole county. Um, so, you know, she had, she's forgotten more about teaching than, than I've ever learned. And, and I, I, you know, you jump in here if you'd like. But basically one of the things you're taught, if, if, you know, when you either major in education or do a master's in education, is that people are not going to get that much. Uh, like this, <laughs> lecturing, especially young people. Uh, if it's just simply dumping information, 
it's it's uh, there's a limitation to what people are going to retain if they are not being engaged. And so when uh, and you see here Jesus, uh, Jesus, James James Menendez has written a whole curriculum on questions that Jesus asked. I, I think there are over Jesus asked over a hundred questions in the Gospels, and that's the more you know Jesus is the ultimate teacher. He's rabbi, and so with that being said. Uh, you know, Jesus, the the way that Jesus asked questions is a good model for us of effective teaching. Uh, I always say teachers are not usually marked, good teachers are not marked by what they know as much as the questions that they're able to ask. And so in preparation for a Bible study, especially if you're inexperienced, a large part of your preparation is working on the questions that you're going to ask. Um, And, uh, and that's the value of, of a good kind of, if you're leading a small group, of having a good curriculum because the curriculum kind of lays out questions for you. Um, but, uh, you know, we call it a Socratic method. Uh, I don't know if that terminology is, is you know, um, is familiar to you, but Socratic method is basically, you know, Socrates is a Greek philosopher, and uh, and you see, you know, Plato when he had the way he depicts Socrates is his style. Is he was always asking people questions, and he was leading them down a path with questions. And so, a Socratic style uh, is going to be most effective for people to learn and for people to uh, retain the information. And we're going to look at that here in a, in a second. Um, but yeah, you drive you drive a good Bible study through good questions. Any questions so far? Anybody in college, uh, you know, take a seminar versus a lecture? You know, can, I mean, can you speak to like, where, you know, what did, what what are the benefits of a of a seminar versus a, a big lecture class? Um, it's a more like open learning environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, people speak up more. Yeah, it's more interactive. Yeah. Um, it's typically smaller. Um, you don't feel like you're being taught at, but uh-huh. you're learning together as a group. Totally, totally. And I think, too, it builds community in the group. Uh, you know, if the Holy Spirit's at work, it's, it's at work through different people in the group. And so, um, and so you very often learn from the interactions in the group. And so, you know, we're meant to, we're meant to study the Bible together. Uh, most, that's the, you know, it's good for us to study it on our own, but it's most effective studying it together. Because um, you know you have different perspectives, different lenses, and it's helpful. All right. So now we're going to get a little more technical and uh, talk about the CIA, CIA of teaching the Bible. Um, and uh, CIA, the C stands for comprehension, the I stands for interpretation, and the A stands for application. And so when I teach a Bible study, um, I will start out basically with a very easy who, what, where, when questions. Uh, Going through, just asking softballs. Um, So we'll do this in just a second. So uh, like the story of the woman at the well. Uh, John chapter 4. Yeah, that's right, John chapter 4. And so I'll start asking questions like, uh, you know, so what what is this woman's, you know, race or ethnicity? Samaritan. Okay, cool. What what is she doing? Where is she? Uh, what time of day is it? What does Jesus say to her? What is her response to Jesus? 
So these are all just very basic, you know, just the facts. And one of the things you're trying to get, especially with young people, actually people no matter what their age, is you're trying to get them to, you know, to derive their answers from the text. From the text. Because this is modeling good Bible reading. It helps them to study the Bible on their own. When you're, you know, a good English teacher is asking, you know, saying, justify your answer, justify your essay from the text. You have to have quotes, right? That's what, that's a good, good English paper. Same with history. Justify it. Cite your information, so on and so forth. Same thing with teaching the Bible. So you're asking the basic questions, the comprehension questions. And some of that is, some of that is just building confidence in the group. Because you're asking them such easy questions, they're like, oh, I know it. I know that she's a Samaritan. Like, I, I can see, obviously, that she's you know, at the well. I can see that it's noon. And so it's just, it's just kind of easy questions to kind of warm them up, to make them feel comfortable uh, you know, engaging and speaking in front of the group. And it's also, you have to have context, right? You have to know the context in order to be able to understand the meaning that's in the text. So, so the first thing we're doing is just the basics, the C, the comprehension questions. All right, next is the, the I, is interpretation. Interpretation is going to another level beyond just the basic comprehension. That's the interpretation, the meaning. Okay, well, here are the details. We've gone through what the details are. Well, what does that mean? And so this is now we're starting to... We're starting to kind of see theological concepts rise up out of the text, um, starting to see you know, moral imperatives rise out of the text. Uh, we're starting to get to the, you know, we're starting to go a little deeper with what's being taught here. And so with, especially when you're dealing with kids, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to really know all of the interpretation questions. You know, they're not going to know uh, the meaning of Jesus, uh, Jesus as a Jew drinking water from, uh, you know, after a Samaritan woman. They're not going to know that that was a huge no-no. They're not going to know that Jesus walking through Samaria is a big deal. And the Jews would walk around Samaria and avoid it. Uh, they're not going to know that it was very, a very kind of countercultural uh, and decisive move that Jesus is walking through Samaria. So I'll ask these interpretation questions. And give people a chance, and but a lot of times I'm, I'm going to be the one who's going to have to answer those questions because I've, I've I'm the teacher. I've read the commentary. So last week, Sarah covered you know, how to how to read commentary, how to read the Bible. This is where your preparation comes in because you know none of us off of just off of a first read of, of John chapter four, uh, you know know. Know, know these details that I just mentioned about Samaria and Jews drinking after women or things like that. Um, so, so that's where, as a teacher, you're, you're going to... It's not all Socratic. There's, there's a little bit of give and take. The, the comprehension is going to be all Socratic. And the interpretation is going to be Socratic, too, in terms of asking questions. But you're probably going to have to answer a lot of the questions um, because you've done the preparation. Uh, all right, interpretation. And finally, application. Um, application uh, is basically connecting the concepts that have come out of the story to our life. We're asking the question, you know, so, okay, we're going to walk out the door. 
we're going to go to our jobs or we're going to go into our, you know, go to our homes or we're going to go hang out with friends or hang out with family or we're going to go back to school tomorrow. What does this mean? Why does this matter? And I think a good way to think about just a very simple and basic lens to think about application is, uh, is to ask the questions of how does this help me to love and trust God better? And then how does this help me to love and serve my neighbor better? Those are just a good ba- two good basic application questions that you can ask. And, you know, we said at the very beginning of Bible Boot Camp, uh, the, the the Old Testament survey, we said that when you teach the Bible, you want to kind of answer three questions. Where does this story fit in the broader context of the whole Bible? Number one. Number two, where does this story fit in the historic context? And that's, that's going to be, you know, a lot of the interpretation questions. And then the third question we said is how does this text... Uh, inform us today? What does it mean in a, for us as, as modern people? And that's going to be the application part of it. So, yeah. All right. So last thing, um, we tend to think this is a, a Protestant mindset. Sorry, before I go into this, does anyone have any questions on that last part, the C, the I, and the A? Um, pretty, it's pretty simple. But, okay, solid. All right, the power of stories and symbols. Okay, a Protestant mindset, we tend to think, okay, I tell people the truths of the Bible, and that's going to change their life. Like, they're going to get it. That's going to convert into, you know, discipleship, being a more faithful Christian, okay? Um, And I'll say that until my friend Danny Giffen uh, showed me this awesome thing (laughs) that he had been taught by uh, Bill Boyd, who read this from N.T. Wright, <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyhow, he showed me this. So this is our mentality, biblical concepts, doctrine. We just teach that and we teach the Bible, and it'll lead to changed lives. Well, uh, next slide. He showed me this little schematic here, and this is narrative symbols, so on and so forth. And so, you know, we see in Jesus' teaching, um, in Jesus' teaching, he told lots of what? A lot of stories. I mean, the Bible as a whole is a narrative. But especially the Old Testament, it's story after story after story after story. And it's historical, um, but, it's, but, you know, but it's also narrative. And, and so you see that, and that's really one of the primary ways that God conveys his truth is through narrative. Uh, he, does, he does deliver it through theological, you know, direct, propositional, biblical theology. Uh, we see that certainly in the letters of Paul. We see that in the Old Testament law. We see that in the Proverbs and, and the wisdom literature. Uh, but you see lots and lots and lots of stories. And so narrative is key. Narrative is key. And so I kind of, and I'll say, um, <laughs> uh, it, when I was getting started as a youth minister, I would make the mistake of kind of coming up with my stories on the fly. And that's just not a good practice. <laughs> um, but that's, I think it's a good part of preparation is to, to kind of have your stories before you come in. Um, and, um, and anyhow, my students will say, when I ask them for feedback on, you know, what is helpful, what is not helpful, they always say stories are very helpful. And so uh, telling stories that kind of uh, illustrate the principles that are being taught through the Bible 
is very, very helpful and it's very important. Um, we're, we'll, the younger the people are, the more you're going to need them to connect the dots. Especially junior high kids, you're going to need to say, so can you guys tell me how this story relates to uh, you know, repentance? They're probably not going to, it's, developmentally, it's hard for them to make abstract, abstract connections like that. So you're going to need to probably connect the dots and say, okay, well, you see, the story I told here, this is how it relates, here and here and here and here. You'll need to do that, and, and you, you know, I don't know, who knows. Um, you may need to do that with adults, too. But I know for sure with elementary school kids and junior high kids, you definitely have to connect the dots for them. But anyhow, story, narrative, and then finally, symbol. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, I think it's something that, uh, so, you know, we kind of live in a, we're, we're in a Protestant context, and we kind of live in a Protestant world, uh, as people in the United States, uh, our American Christianity is very influenced by the Puritans, and they very much reacted against uh, a lot of the pomp of Catholicism, a lot of the, the, um, you know, the decorations in the sanctuary, the stained glass windows, uh, the things we do in a liturgical service by carrying down the cross and things of that nature. And so, um, and so we're reticent to do this. But has anyone here ever gone to a Greek Orthodox service or gone into a Greek Orthodox uh, sanctuary? Tons and tons and tons of symbols and of art and things like that. Uh, the, the, you know, these symbols and tangible ways to illustrate are very helpful. Whether that's pictures, gosh, when you're dealing with younger kids, Elizabeth can go over this with you doing with the Catechism of the Good Shepherd. There's always something concrete, right? And we shouldn't, we should not underestimate that, regardless of age level. The power of having tangible things, um, whether it's art, whether it's music, whether it's something that people can hold uh, as a valuable way to kind of accentuate what we're teaching. Keep in mind, the things that we're teaching in the Bible are usually very abstract. And, uh, and it's very much a Christian thing, a biblical thing, to have concrete connectors. That's why we have the sacraments. Um, that's, why, uh, that's why Jesus came as a person. It's because as human beings with limited, you know, limited minds, we need concrete things in the physical world to help us to connect to these very high, lofty, abstract ideas. So, um, so with that being said, we want to think about the biblical concepts that we teach, that we kind of abstract from the text, and we want to do that with narrative, communicate that with narrative and with concrete things to illustrate the point. We think that's going to be the most effective way um, to communicate God's truth. So that's, uh, that's all I have.